Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Jim Pinto for another episode of Metal Workshop. And today we're talking about sad metal songs. Jim and I have been debating and discussing and compiling our own lists of, what was it, our, our top five sad metal top, songs? Yeah, top five. So we have we have our top five lists, and it was actually a lot harder than I, like it seemed like a really easy idea when we first started talking about it. And I think for yeah. you it was. You you came up with your list pretty quickly. I had a terrible time sort of just whittling down the list and then like struggling with knowing that I had forgotten songs that probably should be on the list. You know what I mean? Like I know there was a better song out there, but I just can't remember it. Um, I even and reached you out to okay. do a top 10. Well, if I had done a top 10, it would have been easier because they wouldn't have had to have been as solid entries individually. Do you know what I mean? Like a top five, they all have to be a little bit better. If it's top 10, I could have put a lot of things on the list and like not really cared. In fairness' uh, sake, you sent me about four songs that were neither sad nor metal. Well, so so here's the thing. So number one, sadness is very subjective, right? Sadness, Sadness is so subjective. And especially when it comes to music, the first thing they teach you when you're learning guitar is minor chords are sad and major chords are happy, right? And right. generally speaking, that's true. Minor scales are sad, major scales are happy. But I remember I had a very stubborn friend. I, I tried explaining this to him and, he, and, and I showed him the chords and he was like, ah, I don't think that's true. And I don't think he was just being a dick about it. I think he genuinely didn't understand what was sad about a minor chord. Um, yeah. Because you have to be trained to think of the minor chord as sad. Do you know what I mean? Like our culture trains us to think that way it's not something that i don't think it's baked into how our brains work necessarily and so though i again that's above my pay grade so if anybody listening disagrees feel free to chime in and say so but i feel like with sad metal songs one man's sort of moody atmospheric song is another man's sad song and sometimes like a, a sad song that has a little bit of uplift for me personally is enough to make it even sadder because it, it contrasts with the, with, with all of the minor key stuff going on. Right. You know what I mean? right. Oh no, I totally agree. I think if your song doesn't have some kind of crescendo, mm. it's, it's maudlin, right? It doesn't even classify as sad. It just yep. remains this depressive state where it doesn't, you don't feel anything as a result of it. You just, uh, okay. Yeah. And I think one of the songs on my list might trot into that territory. Um, the, but I, the cathedral song? Yeah, the cathedral song. Yeah, but that so, was the best one you chose. So, <laughs> well, that, well, before we get into the list, I just you, you had said some weren't metal as well, so we should probably cover that too, just because we right. want to go over our criteria as well before we issue our list. Yeah, one of the criteria I set uh, before, before we started is I said it has to be a metal song, not just a ballad by a metal band. Yeah. Because there's a lot of metal bands that'll do a ballad because they can get away with it because they want to explore or whatever. They have this romantic feeling in their body they have to get out but it the song itself isn't necessarily metal and you you define that as sort of clean the whole way through right that was clean and gentle the whole way through so like i i selected solitude as a possibility from black sabbath and that was nixed because it was too clean the whole way through same with changes right i think changes is one of the saddest songs ever written but it doesn't it's not necessarily a metal song no no and it almost feels like very Beatles like, do you know what I mean? It's, it's like, a, yeah. it, it doesn't, it doesn't even feel like a, I don't know. It, it, I, I don't think I would have put that on the list for the, just because the, the overall aesthetic of the song doesn't feel like a, like very metal. Whereas solitude still feels like a metal. Like I, I can tell a metal band wrote it. Do you know what I mean? 
Um, sure. Yeah. But, and so, um, I oh, want to take a moment to just say that if people are listening, they should check out Charles Bradley's performance of Black Sabbath Changes. I think it's better than Black Sabbath ever did. It's so soulful and powerful, and it's just a punch in the gut. So if well, you're looking what was, it, what was that, the name again, Jim? Uh, Charles Bradley. He's a, he's a black singer. He does the blues mostly, and he heard the song through. He talks about it at the beginning of the YouTube video if you go and look for it. Um, but his performance is just so powerful. It makes me never want to hear Black Sabbath's version ever again. Okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, that, I, I'll take a listen, but now I'm worried because I don't want I don't want to have solitude ruined for me either. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, I'll, I'll take a listen because yeah. you can see I so YouTube is sort of good for that kind of thing. Um, now, so, so our other criteria, so our, it has to be metal. It kind of we, we wanted things to to lean heavy, and I think we were pretty. We didn't say like the lyrical content and the music both had to be sad, but the overall vibe had to be sad to us. And right. um, well, it was certainly implied when I it was certainly implied when I kept reviewing your choices. Yeah, no, but no, you. I, but we never said it as a as a specific criteria. As right, right, that is true. That is true. Um, I'm trying to think of what else there was. There was another. So the the other thing too is, would you say that your list? Is that this is the Jim Pinto list, right? You're not trying to come yeah, up with a yeah, list yeah. that is like, yeah, yeah. and I didn't think you were either. That was certainly you picked I, a lot of doom metal. Yeah, so. I, I mean, it depends. I, 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 there was one choice on the list that I felt the song was just too significant not to include. Like I, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have and included I know what it. You're but, talking about. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just had to put it on there for that reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I had a, but I did have. A, I also had a list of sort of honorable mentions just because there were so many. Uh, I don't know that there. I I I think that there's a there there were a lot of songs that were sad, but the, like they just didn't fit the criteria that we laid out, and so um, right. so yeah, so 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 either way, I guess we should get into our list. Do we want to each do like I'll do my number five and you do your number five, or how do we want to go? Yeah, about I think it? that's the best way to do it. Otherwise people that don't like your voice or don't like my voice have to listen to us for 20 minutes straight. That's true. Okay. All right. And I'm told you have the better voice. So why don't we let you lead and, uh, with your number five. So my number five was Anthem of the estranged by metal church. Um, I think blessing in disguise is their best album. I know a lot of people like the previous two, but blessing in disguise, I think is where their voice really matured. And there's four fantastic songs on that album. And Anthem of the Estranged is this nine-minute epic about homelessness. And I, it came out when I was 18 or 19 years old, I want to say. And it's 89 I or just, something, right? That yeah. I, I just remember thinking, I don't remember homelessness being addressed in a song before. And it just mm. still to this day resonates with me. It's such a good song. I'm pretty sure that's the first Metal Church album I ever got because that was like right when I was getting into metal, and so I'm yeah. I'm I'm a hundred percent sure. Remember those old Columbia Records things that yeah, people used yeah, to? Yeah. It mu- I, I had to have gotten it through through that at that time, right. but um and and I and I haven't listened to Metal Church in ages, and I really forgot how good they were. Um, yeah, yeah, they're an overlooked band. They didn't have one over compelling element in the band. Everything complemented itself really well. Mm. So they should have been part of, I think, that the big five or the big whatever you want to call it. But because their sound was so smooth, yeah, I think in a lot of ways they didn't stand out. 
Well, they're kind of like testament, not in terms of sound, but just in how they, they tend to get overlooked, you know, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in the genre. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I like testament, too. But, I, you know, they, they they just haven't for whatever reason, not not any fault of their own. They just haven't stood the test of time in public memory. Right. Um, and I think I think it's the reason that you point to because I because when I was listening to it, I was like, you know, they sound sort of like if Skid Row didn't suck so much. <laughs> this is what they might sound like. Do you know what I mean? Like if right. Skid Row were a little more in the metal zone right. than in in the, I don't know. They were kind of sort of dancing on the line of hair metal, if I remember. Um, yeah, 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 definitely. yeah. And that's Johan or whatever his name is, Bach. Sebastian, Sebastian. Bach. Sebastian yeah, Bach. Sebastian Bach. What a horrible. That's not no way. That's his real name. No, um, uh, actually, I think it might be because his father was an uh, artist, and it wouldn't. His father needs a punch in the nose. But but then they'd needs. have to have the surname Bach, and I think that's unlikely. Yeah. So I don't know. I'll, I'll... I think you're forced to. Then is that what you're saying? What what was that? You're just forced to name your son Sebastian if your last name is Bach. Um, uh, I, I I suppose. I mean, uh, I I think Sebastian because my so this is nothing to do with the list, but my wife. She is in love with the name Sebastian, and we don't have right, children, right. but she wants to name a kid Sebastian if we ever had one, and I, I, I won't do it. You know, as yeah. much as I love Bach, it just sounds like the kind of name that the kid's going to get beat up their whole right. life. So, And I'll use the name Sebastian if I'm running a game or I'm writing a book and I need a villain. Uh-huh. It's a great villain's name, but I I would never name a kid Sebastian. That's okay. Just me. I just looked up Sebastian Bach. Some interesting info on this. His real name is Sebastian Philip. We are already what? off the path. No, no, we're going to get back on, but this is very interesting. His, his real name is Sebastian Philip Bjork. Oh. So, so it's kind of... Prete- huh? That's even more pretentious. Yeah. I think that made it worse. So, so anyway, so but this was a great song that you picked. I, I And a great band, and, and I think it, it was definitely sad. And so, yeah. and overall, I'm just going to say, I think for the most part, a lot of Jim's choices were sadder than mine um, in terms of, uh, because I think you were picking a lot of stuff from, from, from a period where there's, there's a lot of good to draw on. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of the tool and, and, and fate's yeah. warning stuff like tool is really sorrowful in the way that they, they write songs. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and Maynard's just a deep person. He's an yeah. intense guy. I've met him twice, and he was he's well. We haven't gotten to that choice yet, but uh, yeah, I'll talk about Maynard when we okay. get there. But yeah, I I, I I had no problems with this choice, and I thought it was great. And 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 again, the it's it's a band that if you vaguely remember them, you might want to revisit them because I, I was I was genuinely surprised how much I had forgotten about this band, and yeah. then listening to them again, it was great. Um, and so my number five is a song called Reaching Happiness, Touching Pain by Cathedral. And um, I don't know, this is a, um, it, it's it's off of the Forest of Equilibrium album. And it starts with a flute and it basically yeah. is sort of like, how would I describe them? I don't have a guitar in front of me, but I think the the, the guitar melody is basically like a descending chromatic line that keeps hitting this tritone. And the pattern is kind of mixed up a, a lot, and they use a, and it's really deep. I don't know what tuning they're using, and there's yeah. a harmony on top of it, and the harmony is really deep and weird too. Um, but yeah, I don't, what was your reaction to this song? Uh, first of all, I thought it was the best one you chose. 
uh, of your five. So it starts with a flute, which I should hate, and I don't. <laughs> I thought it was really good. And then it just goes into this thrumbing, deep doom. It's what I want out of doom metal, right? Well, and Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I, the only thing I don't like is his voice, right? We've talked yeah. about all the voices of, that you've chosen from your doom bands. Yeah. Um, and I that's the only part of it I don't like, but it still works in the song. And it has that moment, that, that crunchy, rugged, metal tone to it in the middle that makes it a metal song as opposed to just a Jethro Tull song or yeah. a, some do, rock song from the 70s. Do you think the the flute was a commentary on Jethro Tull winning the uh, the award for the metal oh, album. I don't know when was it written. Was it written after this was? Their... I think this was nineteen ninety. I want to say, but I don't remember. I got yeah. it when it came out. I remember that. Um, well, they they won the award much later. So did they? Oh, did I they... thought they won the award in the late eighties for some reason or in the oh, early nineties. No, okay. well, I don't. I can't. I can't remember, but but either way, it does have a flute, which is interesting, and 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 the lyrics are also just like all the way through, just really somber and depressing. Um, yeah. So yeah, 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 I really like those lyrics. I'm sorry. I like look, I really like those lyrics. Well, they were kind of cool because their lyrics weren't. They weren't like if you ever read like a cathedral sleeve, the lyrics never felt like songs. They just felt like I don't know, like prose almost. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that's what. I- it broke the rhythm that I'm used to. It felt like he was writing a poem. Yeah. Um, it's out of meter, so to speak. And because of the way he's singing it, he could do a lot of things with it. And I really, it, I actually, it broke all of my expectations. So I think that's why I liked it. Yeah. This bit, I mean, I, I remember when I encountered this song, I immediately showed it to my guitar teacher thinking it would be easy for him to break down some of the stuff. And he was having a nightmare just trying to, just trying to figure out what the guitars were doing exactly and trying to establish what the actual pattern was. Um, and and it, it is, it's just one of these, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a deceptively simple-sounding song, but it really isn't. Um, and yeah, so, so yeah, so again, it's cathedral, it's reaching happiness, touching pain off of Forest of Equilibrium. And this really is, you said it's like what you expect when you hear Doom. In my mind, this Cathedral album is the most... It's probably the best Doom album ever released simply because the pace is so slow that I don't think there's a band that ever got this slow without everything coming to a complete halt. Do you know what I mean? Like, the, it, it really pushed the boundaries of what Doom was capable of. And they pushed the boundaries so far, they, they didn't even repeat themselves on the next album. They couldn't, they couldn't, you know... It was either put out the same exact you know, sort of slow, doomy stuff or speed things up a bit. Because uh, they, they certainly couldn't get any slower. Um, right, right. So what was it, your... it, it essentially becomes stoner metal, right? Well, At that's that point, my... They made it slower. And that's sort of my problem, like, because I don't like stoner metal, actually. Yeah, and, no, neither do I. And, and I, think, I think that's the thing, is once you cross that... Once you get slower or you add a groove or you add any funk or anything... That's like this is psychedelic, but it's not in your face psychedelic the way some of the more stoner oriented stuff, though. This definitely is a foundational stoner metal album. You know, I mean, you just look at the cover, you know, it's it's definitely stoner metal in a a sense. But uh, but I prefer metal like this. Um, I don't I just can't get into the stoner stuff. What was your number four? My number four was uh, A Pleasant Shade of Grey Part Six by fate's warning they did a 65 minute epic that's all one long song 
cut into 12 pieces. And part six and part 11 are my favorites, but part 11 isn't sad. Part six is. And part six is sort of about, it's about growing up and accepting that you can't have what the innocence that you used to have. You can't have the things that you used to have. And when he hits that crescendo after the, it's only in two halves, right? It's not verse, chorus, verse, chorus, solo, verse, chorus. It's just verse, solo, verse. That's the song. And there's a long uh, instrumental intro that eats up a lot of the time, too. It's, I think, a six-minute song. And that crescendo after the guitar solo, when he's hitting the that that line, um, we're not children anymore, when he's... When Ray Alder's hitting that line, it's just a punch in the face. And it was. Really I thought it was a good song. I thought it was a really yeah, good yeah. song. It was really sad. Um, yeah. And I've heard fa- it a couple times live, and he's just as good live with it. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I was just going to say, and the Fate's Warning stuff has been very, I don't know, very eye-opening for me as a listener. Um, I, I, you, You're the one that introduced me to them. And, and so I, I'm still sort of wrapping my head around their sound. But... I I think I, I I I'm starting to get a sense of why you like this band, especially you know when you showed me this song. So so again, this was one that I I thought was I thought this was a, a really solid entry, and I thought it was also legitimately sad. Um, I didn't have any quibbles with it. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's one that I I honestly will need to hear again a few more times to really. One of the problems with Fate's Warning is they're very they're very complex. And, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah yeah and I find. It takes a few listens to really get a handle on what the song is. Um, it's not so much the case with some of the other entries, even though you have a lot of other complex entries. But Fate's Warning, I don't know, they're, they're, they're um, uh, they, how can I put it? You have to be a patient listener with a band like this. Do you know what I mean? You have to be an attentive listener uh, to enjoy them. Um, right. I, I got into, I have to tell this story. I got into Fate's Warning in 87, 86, 87, because of the River's Edge soundtrack. They had a song on there called Curialism. Hmm. And I went looking for it and looking for it and looking for it. I didn't know what album it was off of, but it was a favorite song on the River's Edge soundtrack. And it ends up not sounding like any of their other material. So when I hunt down all these other albums, everything's all over the place. Their albums constantly are changing. And... I, I remember in my college years, they had some kind of repetitive albums that I didn't really care for. And then uh, Pleasant Shade of Grey came out, and it blew my mind. Then Disconnected came out, and then uh, Fate's Warning X, FWX, which is their 10th album. It came out, and it was so different. I actually didn't listen to it after the f- first listen-through. And here's they're my favorite band, right? Mm-hmm. And I listened to it the first time, and I said, I'm not getting this. I said, I'll listen to it some other time. Yeah. Left it in my CD player in my car. The car got broken into, the CD player got stolen, and I didn't replace the CD for another couple of years. So I went a long time not hearing that segment of their work, and now I find it to be their best album. I finally have come back and listened to it a bunch, and so I that realized... is that the album when they went full prog, in your opinion, or is that no, no, no they went full prog with no exit. Mm-hmm. I think they were already doing it with Awaken the Guardian, but they mm-hmm. won't admit that they were. Okay, um, but if you listen to Awaken Guardian, that's the one we talked about where he's playing on the on the upbeat instead of the downbeat yeah yeah and and so which is really complicated to do and so when i was yeah. listening to it in college it was it was just breaking my mind and that's how i fell in love with them but 
Had it not been for River's Edge, I never would have found them. Yeah, and nobody has ever introduced me to Fates Warning. It's definitely tricky. It's it's it's, yeah. it's the foundation of reggae, I think. Uh, playing on the upbeat, if if just to give people a handle on what an upbeat yeah. might be. Yeah. Um, I one of my guitar teachers was really into reggae, and I just remember. It was it was the worst fit because I could I could not get into reggae and and having to do those darn upbeats all the time was 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 very frustrating. Um, though I think I benefited from it. Um, my my number four was in my darkest hour by Megadeth, um, yeah. which is off of So Far So Good So What, and I don't know I don't know how you feel about that song. Um, I thought it was a very obvious choice, and I okay. don't have any problem with it whatsoever. It is a dark song, it is a sad song, and it is metal. Um, I purposely did not pick this or the other one that you want to talk about <laughs> because they're so obvious. Yeah. But that doesn't make them any less good. No, and I, th- I, I was, I, I, so when I was compiling this list, I was tempted to avoid this one and the other one for that reason. But, yeah. but here's the reason why I include them. When I was in high school. I really like the song Fade to Black, and I really like this song. I like them so much, I, I, I recorded them off of CDs onto tapes back to back again and again and again so that I had a whole tape that was just Fade to Black and then In My Darkest Hour going all... like So basically an hour and 20 minutes of Fade to Black and In My Darkest Hour. And, and so uh, it... it it, these songs obviously resonated with me when I was younger, and so right. I, I want I, I wanted to go with a, a with, with with an obvious choice. Um, right. So, but yeah, but basically, I mean, it's. I, I guess my only comment on this song is when I was listening to it again today, just to to verify that it was actually sad. Um, I I think the thing that I really like when I go back and listen to Megadeth and songs like this is just how unique his voice sounds. Yeah, and and how much he commits to the emotions even if it's you know like 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 this song veers into whininess but it it, it sounds sincere so uh yeah yeah i i'm always shocked at how honest a person he is which comes across for a lot of people they don't like it yeah because they don't seem to like his attitude but he i can't imagine him ever lying to anybody about anything he just doesn't have that he doesn't have that programming and so when he's talking about something, when he's talking about his drug addiction, right, or when he's talking about getting kicked out of Metallica, he's telling you his raw emotion yes. of what he's going through. He is not he's not somebody that has that barrier that a lot of other people have between themselves and the real world. And I think that's probably why he ended up on drugs. No, I think I, that makes total sense because, I mean, the drugs would, would be the thing that would sort of put the, put the veil between those two things, right? It would, right. So... I, I can definitely see that in his case. And, and I, I see I, when I see him interacting with the guys from Metallica now, I can still see James and Lars kind of keeping him at arm's length, even though they're trying to be honest with him and try to rebuild a relationship because yeah. they've had him on stage with them since and everything else. But they, they, I don't think they've ever come to terms with look what we did to our brother. This guy was somebody that rode with us for years and made our sound and we still haven't treated him like an equal. Well, I got to say, I mean, like, I was always a Metallica fan, but I'd say that story, what they did to him, that's pretty harsh. You know, I, yeah, mean, yeah. I know there's a lot of stuff leading up to it, but it's a pretty harsh way to treat a person. Right. Um, and it's very possible you just couldn't have an honest conversation with him, right? Yeah. No, that's I mean, definitely I, possible. I, at this I, don't, I don't know all of that, but 
I'm the guy that when I got to kick somebody out of the gaming group, mm-hmm. I'm the guy that does it. I'm the guy everybody in the group turns to to say, can you get rid of Bob? Mm-hmm. And so I always have an honest conversation with people when it's time to say, say goodbye. And with him, it's just here, here's a bus ticket. We're replacing you with somebody from Exodus. Well, and the other thing is in my darkest hour, I believe was written right when he learned that Cliff Burton had died. Yes. So there's that aspect to it. You know what I mean? It just kind of, it's um, that, that adds a lot in my opinion, to the song, even though, again, the song is, it's, it's about other things, but the, the fact that that happened and then there's no real way for a person like him to connect with Metallica after it's happened. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, that adds. Yeah. A lot he gets it. no closure. He gets no closure yeah. for 30 years. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's kind of messed up. And, and that, that, that just adds to the, the beauty of the song. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. I would agree. And I, I particularly, I like the sound of his voice on that album in general. I think, I think his, his voice on that album, just it, something about it sounds really raw and exposed. And I like that. Yeah. Um, so I guess we're on to number three. We're already at the 25 minute mark. So we might want to, we, maybe we should, <laughs> we should go quicker. I don't know. But uh, what, what's, what, what's your number three? My, my number three is Wings of Marie by, uh, by Tool. Um, this is Maynard writing about his mother passing away. He had previously written a song about her called Judith on Perfect Circle's first album, Nom de Mer. And uh, that was while she was still paralyzed and she wasn't dead yet. Uh, and he, it was sort of a, a very angry song towards her, you know, sort of rebuking her for holding on to, to God and Christianity. And then when she passed away, I, I don't know what turned for him because it's obvious he's not – it's not lip service, right? He's not mm. writing a song. You listen to the whole thing, right? I listen to the whole thing, but I can't say that I've absorbed all the lyrical content yeah, yeah. like you have. So I've listened to it a, a easily 50 times, 100 times, I don't know. But I'm still unpacking it. There's so much going on in that song. It's so rich. Um, there's there's a there's a catharsis, catharsis obviously going on for her, for him, about her in the song, about her being this absolutely genteel human being that still believed in God, even though she spent most of her life paralyzed because of a stroke Uh and to write that the way he does and to compare her to angels to do that in the face of them, not really writing those kinds of songs in the past, just, it just elevates a song and it's what 14, 16 minutes, 17 minutes. The song 17 17 minutes. minutes. It's, it's like in a God of long. It's, um, it's really long. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, oh, sad. go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, that's it. So it's definitely a sad song. His voice is definitely, you know, a good fit for the material. Yeah. And I, this is again, it's not the song is great. I don't have, I don't, have, I don't have any musical criticisms of the song. I just had trouble delving into the song, like right. I did with some of the other selections here. I think it's part of the reasons why I drifted away from Tool. Uh, after what was the um. What was the big album they had after? What was their second album? It was um, uh, Nima. Yeah, so that was the album that I remember uh, listening to, and I remember the previous album. And after that, they put out another album, and I kind of, I kind of lost the hook with them for some reason. Right. And and I feel like this is another song where I just, I get a little bit confused when I listen to it. Um, sure. But I don't want to be unfair to it because it's 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 obviously a very meaningful song, and I feel like I need to hear it some more times before I can really evaluate it do you know what i mean but i was i was a little bit lost listening to it the first time 
Um, it, 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 it's a it's a lot. It's it's long. It's slow. It's plotting. It has a number of different peaks in it, and it is so personal that I think you have to be invested in Tool to appreciate it on a lot of levels. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense, and that's why I mean I think it's a, I think it's a great entry. I just I just need to sort of familiarize myself with it more, and I don't know how I'm going to feel about it until I've heard it like ten times. Do you know what I mean? Like that's it's one of those kinds of songs, and it's a 17 minute long song, so it's it's sort of like when when um you know when I when I f- first heard Child of Time, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have a very strong opinion of it the first time because it's so long and there's so much in there. Right. And I had to hear it several times to really decide what I thought about it. And this is one of those kinds of songs. Um, But, but it it definitely was a, was a strong entry. Like I, I know I, even though I was lost, I remember this song more than the other choices just by the fact that I was sort of sitting there lost listening to it. Do you know what I mean? So it was memorable. Um, Now, uh, we're on number three, correct? Um, number three for you, yep, yes, sir. Yep, number three. All right. So mine was Melissa by Merciful Fate. And, oh no! <laughs> and th- well, and this was a slot that went through a lot of lineup changes. Right, uh, right. I know. Uh, so this is sort of my last minute, uh, you know, selection. Um, but go ahead. It sounds like you have some criticism, so I'm, well, I'm interested to hear them. Well, we know how I feel about King Diamond. Yeah. Um, Actually, I don't I, know. It, I don't know your full opinion, but I I know that he's not your cup of tea. Yeah, he's not my cup of tea, and I don't think that the song is all that sad. I mm. I think that you'll hear a lot of repetition from this song to your other choice that we haven't gotten to yet. Yep, yep. Because a lot of the riffs are easily borrowed from Melissa, and yep. they're made better, I think, um, which is usually the case when people borrow a thing and then they can they can master it and they can do yeah. more things. Um, but. It, it, they would not have made even my top 50 choice for a sad mm. song. It, it's fine that it's your choice. I just, I think you're, what was your previous choice in this my, song? So my, okay, so my previous choices uh, were Don't Talk to Strangers by Dio. Right. And um, Remember Tomorrow by Iron Maiden. Yeah. So, so I think, I don't know that Don't Talk to Strangers is sad. That's a, uh, you don't find that, I find that terrifically sad, that song. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Well, uh, I think it's good. I think it's a great song, but I don't know if I would classify it as that. Well, I don't I think the it. Iron Maiden choice was very good either because the song is so empty, in my opinion. Mm. Okay, now empty, but, like you don't like the song empty or just the, the tone the, isn't The sad. lyrics are so short and they don't mm. really say much. I would so, well, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. But, yeah. but my comment is I didn't like that singer. And so yeah, when I go yeah, back yeah. and listen to those albums, I'm only really listening to the guitar and the bass. Right, and right, right. and I feel like the guitar on that really carries the song. So I'm kind of okay with it. Yes. But, but I was persuaded by your opinion that it wasn't maybe sad enough. And so yeah. I, I, I ultimately went with Melissa. Now, now here, here's the caveat with Melissa. It's sad, but it's sad in, in, in a comical sense. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's sad in that... King Diamond has this story about a witch that he's in love with that's murdered and now he wants to get revenge on the priest. Do you know what I mean? It's not it's not high art and it's not um it's not something that anybody can probably relate to personally, but it's sort of moving in the way like you know, a particularly dramatic kung fu or action movie or horror movie can be moving. Um right. so that's that's why I put it on the list. But it wasn't it wasn't one that I thought was um it, it isn't it isn't 
it, it isn't um what's the the name of the tools song wings of marie it's not wings of marie sad it's a different yeah, yeah. kind of sad um but but yeah so uh but 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 also what is your opinion of king diamond because we I, I am curious about that like oh what... i thought we talked about this and like maybe we didn't record it i i just think that his voice is so cartoonish mm. that uh, there it's either really really low or really really high and there's no there's nothing in between. When I'm listening to Rob Halford, mm-hmm. I can hear him go through the ranges. When I, I hear King Diamond, it's just, let me be as cartoonish as I can because I just want to show you the four-color comic book that is me. Yep, okay. You want you want the spectrum. You want the the, the gradient of the, you know, like, I know exactly what you mean with, with yeah. Halford. If we, like, Dreamer Deceiver is probably the, the best example I can think of for just how yeah. his voice can move from one end to the other. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, and there's King, so much control, right? Right. I mean, yeah. he shows control, and that's something King Diamond doesn't do is control. He does. I mean, well, he's got a high. He's got control, voice. but what he doesn't have is he doesn't have nuance. You know, yeah. like like because he's got. I mean, to get the sound that King Diamond has is really difficult. Um, right, right, right. To get consistently do that, but he sort of has like a a, a bag of four things that he does, and that's it. Do you know what I mean? And and he, you know, and occasionally he'll go into other territory, but per, for the most part, when you listen to King Diamond, you're like, okay, he's using this voice now, or he's using this voice now, or he's using this voice now, and those voices they kind of have come to represent various things that he, you know, like uh, characters that he needs in the in 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 the song or whatever. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, so I can I can totally see how that would turn you off. Um, uh, though I will say we got a comment on Facebook where somebody had said something about King Diamond. They said that his Merciful Fate material they felt was actually less um, like le- less shrill than than the later King Diamond stuff. So this would be like an early example. Of, <laughs> yeah, of and I, I honestly, because I'm not much of a fan, I don't know what I'm hearing when I'm hearing it. So. You know, I don't know which version of well, King well, Diamond. One, one of these days, I'll walk you through a proper King Diamond album, and you'll and I'll explain to you the what people like about him. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and one day I'll just unfriend you, and we won't have to do this anymore. <laughs> well, I, I hope I'll I'll happily listen to a Fate's Warning album all the way through if that'll oh. you know you know. Um, but you know, I think I think I think with with King Diamond, the thing. The thing is, is he's all about the story. And so if you're not interested in the story, it's hard to get into the King Diamond. No, and I don't mind the story, yeah. honestly. I think Melissa has a, a, a clever story. It's an interesting story, right? Um, but it doesn't strike me as sad. It's a mm. bit... It's a bit first-level D&D, right? <laughs> okay, now you do explain that. How? In, in what sense? There was no nuance to first edition D&D, right? Okay. You've got you to... Gotta, a mission from a wizard in a tavern who had a map and you went and you did that thing and you solved the puzzle and the puzzle was either a trick or it wasn't. You killed the orcs, you got the thing and you went home and you made some levels and some gold and, and that was it, right? Yeah. Had, yeah. The, if there was a story, it was very straightforward and it was simple and there was no nuance to it. You take Melissa and you stack it against ritual by ghost and they're almost the same exact story um, but mm. the richness of the lyrics of ritual are kind of almost to the point of creepy, uh-huh. right? When he's talking about Satan in that song, when King Diamond sings about Satan, it's 
it's the Satan with the pitchfork and the big tail. But he's an actual King Diamond's an actual Satanist, though. Um, no, no, I know. But when you hear him singing with his voice, yeah, yeah, sounds like a Saturday morning cartoon version of the Devil on Your Shoulder. Oh yeah, no, and that's but that's the part I like about. It. I like sort of the the comedy horror element of King Diamond, right? Yeah, um, and, that, that, and that's, that's the appeal. That's your love of of bad horror. So. Yeah, yeah. So so that's but I, I get what you're saying though. Though I will say, as King Diamond and Merciful Fate, I mean, this is like I think. Uh, you know, this is this is an early Merciful Fate album, right? And right. Uh, you know, they they eventually reunite, and when they put out their reunion album, I think it was from the Shadows. They're actually the sound is is a lot more sophisticated, and King Diamond's lineup is really like just in terms of technical, uh, you know, skill on the album is is quite good, but it's not nuanced. It's just very right. s- skillfully done. Um, but anyways, now, we should. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say we should probably move on to number two though, because we could probably talk about Merciful Fate and King Diamond forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we should save it for time. I want to talk one of these days about Metallica's covers. Maybe we could do a whole episode about that. Okay, no that that would be that would be probably interesting to do. Yeah. Um, so what was your number two? My number two was Beyond the Realms of Death by Judas Priest. And um, I. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, what were you gonna say? I have zero complaints about this song. I mean, yeah, yeah. The, I don't the, know the I only mean. complaint I have about your list is there probably could have been two more Judas Priest songs on the list. Do you yeah, know what I mean? absolutely. No. I wanted to create some variation on here, but I could have done all Judas Priest or all Fate's Warning if I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 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 when Judas Priest goes sad, I find them to be the. I I think like I honestly I had some Judas Priest songs I wanted to select, but I didn't because I wanted to kind of let you handle Judas Priest. Right. But, I think that they're genuinely the when they do sad they do it better than anybody. Um, now I have to say Halford has a song called "She" mm-hmm. on his album called uh, I think "Resurrection" or "Insurrection." I think it's oh "Crucible." The name of the album is called "Crucible." Um, the song's called "She." It's about his mother, and it's not really a metal song. It's mm-hmm. just a ballad, but it is the saddest song I've ever heard. It is so beautifully haunting the way he the the reverence he has for his mother in that song. Uh, if if you're a kid that has any love for your mom, that song's got to punch you in the gut. But well, it's not metal. I'm not as familiar with that song either. So I, yeah. I well, you should go check it out. Everybody should. She by Halford. Ugh. It's just, it's a it's a um it's one of his solo songs. Yeah, yeah, it's one of his solo hmm. songs. Um, when he was doing his own band, and it, it's a ballad. It's not a it's not a metal tune. There's nothing metal about it. We'll have to do a we'll have to do a ballad edition at some point, but because I got some entries <laughs> can I, there. Can I add? Can we do poison and? No, 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 no. It's got to be metal. It can't be hair metal. Um, you know. But yeah, I mean, anybody that knows Beyond the Realms of Death, it's a classic. We really don't need to talk about it. I, I would allow Petra before I allowed poison into the uh, into the mix. Um, <laughs> I had to listen to Petra as a kid. So yeah, I, I'm sorry. Another another. I mean. I also thought, what was the song? Before the Dawn is another one of their songs that I think is really moving. And um, Here Come the Tears and Dreamer Deceiver. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, it could just go on and on. Like they, like, and he's just really good at, at moving you when you hear him. I, I, to me, Rob Halford reminds me of Freddie Mercury for some reason um, in his ability to move me as a listener. And, yeah. And so... Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I always thought of him as like the metal version of of Freddie Mercury, um, just because the the 
He can kind of do, he can do like these powerful and aggressive things with his voice, but he can also go really gentle and soft and tender. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of metal guys can do that. Um, right, right. It, it, when we have conversations about Candle Moss and uh, <laughs> what's the other one? Eternus. Solitude Eternus. Solitude Eternus. Um, see, I remembered the words. I got them in the wrong order. When we talk about why I don't like those bands, it's because they're just doing Rob Halford's highest voice yeah. all the time. Yeah, right? well, well, I think Solitude Eternus is doing something. They're trying to do just kind of a higher, lighter, clean metal voice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, that's, and I feel like Candlemas, I don't think they're doing Halford, actually. I think Candlemas is the realization of the promise of Dickinson. Um, Dickinson, no, because when I first oh, heard... Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, okay, Bruce Dickinson. Ahead, yeah. When I first heard Bruce Dickinson, I was like, oh my God, he sounds like an opera star. Because, you know, I grew up in a house where Italian yeah. opera was often on the, on the, on the, on the record player. And because he did the vibrato. But but obviously Dick, but Dickinson doesn't take that to its extreme. He's not doing actual opera. But Messiah Marcolin's singing like an opera singer or he's at least doing his best to sound like one. Um so I I see that as coming from Dickinson. I think that's that I think the the lineage there goes to Dickinson. Um but that's but, a, that's a fair comparison. Yeah, but but I don't know where the the Solitude Eternus lineage goes i think i think what they're doing is there were bands like trouble the band that i showed you and um sirith ungol and some other bands that were important to the formation of doom and the singers all kind of have these high-pitched really rough sounding vocals and i feel like they took that and they were just trying to be cleaner do you know what i mean just a little bit softer and lighter but i don't really know i could be wrong um but but anyways um my uh my number two choice was uh and I know this is one that uh you probably had some disagreements with because we had some conversation about it, but I chose Dying Inside by Saint Vitus. Um and so so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the floor to vent any grievances you have with this. this I don't have a lot of grievances. I almost question if it's metal or not. It's mm. very southern rock, um, and they're very hillbilly. Mm. You can see that. I, I watched the live version when you sent me the name. Okay, okay. The live version might be different than the album version, but that's still... Maybe. Uh, uh, I, I liked... I didn't like the lyrics. I thought they were a little too on the nose. Mm -hmm. And when you're on the nose, you're not, you're. not. there's no other feeling you're supposed to have. Here's the feeling you get to have. I drink too much. Yeah, that, yeah. That's not a lyric. Um, but... That said, I liked the the instrumentation of the song, and even though you joked about the drummer, I was enjoying his theatrics and the live version. Well, uh, and even and that, though, go the, ahead. I was gonna say with Doom, like the the sounds so slow, you can't yeah. really like you're not gonna like the danger with drumming is losing the beat in Doom. Do you know what I mean? Right. So like it's not it's 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 like the opposite of what you would get in Prague and stuff, where you just tend not to have as much variation uh, and if right. you do it's it's with bands like my dying bride but but this was much you know just a much more straightforward thing yeah i'm yeah. i'm a i mean i'm fine with on the nose lyrics like this do you know what i mean like like as long as i feel like it's coming from a real place which i don't my understanding is i think the guitarist wrote the lyrics even though the singer is the one who's the wino um right. so i don't know 
I don't know how, I don't know for a fact that this is somebody's experience, but it sounds like a real experience to me. And so, and it kind of, you know, sounds like, uh, you know, like I used to listen to, you know, some old blues stuff and things like that. And I, I it's that kind of sad song. Do you know what I mean? It's a little bit on the nose, but you know, that's fine with me. Uh, I think the, the, I, I don't know. This is a song for whatever reason, when I was younger, this song connected with me, even though I wasn't an alcoholic. Um, Right. And and uh, and I just I just was fascinated by it. But then over time, as I got older and I saw more people that have this problem, I felt that it painted a picture of alcoholism that's pretty accurate to what happens. Do you know what I mean? So, right. uh, so it, you know, it just kind of worked. And I and I feel like in this genre of metal, addiction is something that's generally not not covered that much. So it was kind of interesting to have a, a, a band cover. It, it, I would certainly say Metallica did a better job with the topic with Master yeah. of Puppets, like in just in terms of lyrical content. But right. but this song, the 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 chorus, I think is very, I don't know, that's a pretty miserable sounding person. Do you know what I mean? Right. The uh, Again, that was the other thing I wanted to explain about our criteria. I was not worried about whether a song was was the best sad song. I was just worried right. about whether it was sad. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and, it, and it's, I honestly, I liked it, right? Which I shouldn't have, but I, when I was looking at the lyrics as I was listening along, I just thought this part could be better. But the rest of it, I understood why it was in the category, and I actually really appreciated what they were doing, even if it was a little bit on the, on the swamp side. And they were a very influential doom metal band, so they were kind of like a, um, yeah. a foundational band in terms of just where the genre came from and went. But right. um, but uh, what was it? The 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 album it's from is called Born Too Late. Uh, however, I I was into metal after Saint Vitus, so I came to them via a compilation album called Heavier Than Thou. Uh, yeah, which I always and I know kind that of a, I know that compilation. That's funny. Yeah, yeah that's that. I always thought that was a that was a, that's what sold me on them. It's heavier yeah. now. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, so that's dying inside. So why don't we move to your number one? Because we're already at the forty six minute mark. Um, Before I do my number one, I just want to do a quick honorable mention for uh, Allison Chains Rooster. I don't know if it's necessarily metal. Um, but what is it's that song really... about? By the way, because I've never understood the meaning of that song. Oh, it, the guitar player wrote it about his dad who was in Vietnam. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I guess, it, I... It's, it, he and his father really didn't have a very good relationship. So when he wrote it about his dad, it was an opportunity for, for them to connect and talk. And he learned something about his father in the process of writing the song. Um, and I, I think it's really powerful. And, it, and when you think on it too much, it becomes a sad song. But I wouldn't have put it on my list at all, ever. I don't know if it necessarily is metal, and it certainly wouldn't make a top five. But it is one of those songs that if you go and you read the the, the lyrics as you're listening along, or you listen to the interviews about it, it's yeah, it's a it's another punch in the junk kind of song. Okay, yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, that song got played on the radio a lot, so I do remember that song. Um, but I would agree. I don't. I I think that one's definitely. Even though we've debated how to classify Alice in Chains, that song is one I wouldn't group into a metal category, yeah, even yeah, if I was willing yeah. to put them into a metal category. Um, so uh, my number one is uh, Redemption Memory. Um, Redemption is by the is a sort of offshoot progressive metal band 
the lead they had a lead singer on the first album and then they got Ray Alder from Fate's Warning to join and now he subsequently left and they have somebody else but so who was on, is, who was on this album singing Ray Alder okay uh, this is from the album Origins of Ruin and there are no bad songs on this album it is one of the most perfect albums I've ever heard and this song along with the last one Fall on You are really powerful songs and I chose this one over Fall on You cuz the other one's got too much of a happiness Mm-hmm. uplift at the end in the crescendo okay. and memory is about uh, a breakup that he's still holding on to and he can't let go and he hopes that she's thinking about him the way he's always thinking about her okay. and the way ray sings it and the way they do the instrumentation in it it doesn't have any of the minor chord uh instrumentation that you would see in your in doom metal um, but there, this was in a minor key, though I think, wasn't it? It's yeah, yeah, not but it's minor. not it's not overly oppressive, is what mm. I meant. Okay, I, I'm sorry, I meant to, I wasn't clear. Um, it's not overly oppressive, but it's still a sad song, and the idea that and I've talked to Nick, the the guitar player and the songwriter for the band, um, and he is one of those guys that uh, he's really invested in his daughter and. Uh, he still holds on to the past of things that he's done wrong. He's, he's, he's a real guy. He feels like a guy you would just be hanging out with drinking a beer. Okay. And so Nick to approach music and to write that album as perfectly as he did, uh, I found it really impressive and it shouldn't be my number one because these other bands are just so much better than, than redemption is at everything. But this song just resonates with me. Well, I, I gotta say, I don't know that that's, true i think i think this band number one this this song really struck me um and again this is another song that i kind of have to hear more before i really can give a full opinion on it right but i feel like the composition was very good on this and so yeah yeah. just from a composition point of view i would put them up there with those bands um you know composition isn't something to be sneezed at you know it's a uh and and also this had a real interesting sound. I hadn't really heard a sound like this, except right. in other genres of music. Maybe do you know what I mean? It's not. Yeah. This was this was a this was a very experimental sounding song to me. Yeah. And a lot of synth, which we've discussed, um, but right. we've, we've established right. that progressive tends to sometimes have that. Um, I thought it worked. I thought it, you know, like you know, sort of, you know, like it, it, it just had the stuff that 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 I liked from seventh son, you know, it kind of had a lot of that sort of thing going on here. Right. Um, right. And, and it, and it wasn't obviously metal when I first started listening to it. Do you know I mean, I, I kind of had to sit there and say, is this metal as I was listening and, right. and evaluate it? And I, I enjoyed that. I did. I, it, it wasn't like, Oh, this isn't metal. It was more like, no, I, I really needed to make a determination. And, yeah. and so, yeah, I thought that, I thought this was a very interesting entry. Um, and I, I, I don't know if you, I, I feel like you have shown me this band before, but we've been sending back so many things right. that it's, it's easy to lose track of them. And this was probably, this was if, whether you have or not, this was the first time I really noticed this band. Um, right. and, and it got yeah. me more curious about them. The interesting thing about redemption, the next album is called Snowfalls and judgment day. They, whatever magic they had on origins of ruin is lost when they get to the next album. Okay. I, I don't think it's a bad album, but it has it has its peaks and valleys. With with uh, Origins of Ruin, every single song is good, and okay. you're never bored, and you're always surprised. 
and uh, when they tr- they try to go a little heavier and more thrashy on Snowfalls on Judgment Day, and a lot of it is all of these gratuitous guitar solos mm-hmm. and riffs that just get cumbersome, in my opinion. Um, so Shifting. if you're looking for an album from them to listen to, this is the one. Shifting sound is not easy. Shifting sound yeah. is like the hardest yeah, thing yeah. to do in the world, and it's so you never know where you're going to land. It's easy to say, let's try heavier, and then you don't know what that group of people will sound like until you get there. Um, yeah. So my number my number one was another obvious choice. We've kind of hinted at it because I think I might have even mentioned it in one of my... Yeah. Yeah, I kind of... I kind of said it. Yeah, yeah. I lo- so it's Fade to Black by Metallica. And uh, again, it's an obvious choice, but I don't think there's a, a more well-known song that's a sad metal song than fade to black. That's got to be like the top sad metal song that just in terms of how widely it's known. Um, But also in terms of its influence, I feel like a lot of bands imitated fade to black after it came out. Um, So it just seemed like a significant choice. And I personally liked it. I, I, my band covered this song when I was in a band and I, it's a song that I enjoyed playing. I, I really like, even though, I know what the chord progression is and I can, I can play it. I can never get it to sound like they get it to sound. Do you know what I mean? Right. And, and I've never heard anybody else get it to sound like they, it, it, I don't know exactly what they're doing in that recording, but I've never heard anybody sound like Metallica when they played the song. Right. Um, so, the, and the, when I, whenever that's the case, that always intrigues me. So, but I don't know what, what's your opinion of fade to black? No, I think this was an obvious choice too on the list. And I think it was a good choice. I, I wasn't going to pick it cause I knew you were going to, mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think a lot of people like to say that one is a better song and I disagree entirely. Um, one doesn't get good until the guitar solo, the outro, um, for me. Okay. And the way fade to black crescendos, one of Metallica's failings as a band. And I know everybody thinks they're the best. One of their failings is they're very repetitive. Mm-hmm. And they don't have a lot of songs that crescendo the way a metal song should crescendo. And a lot of that at these early years for Metallica was James Hetfield's voice. He could only do so much. He wasn't trained. Um, he, he he didn't really learn how to, to control his voice very much. And so they just sing every verse and every chorus with the same, the same power. Okay. And, so you get to a song like Fade to Black and you can hear his voice not only rising, but the the tension of the song is rising. And yeah. that outro on Fade to Black, uh, they don't have anything yeah. else like it. No, I, so Fade to Black is a superior song to one, like right down the... Like, I understand yeah. why people think one is better because they're more fine-tuned by the time they get to one. And so... Yeah. The composition sounds tighter. They have that classical style guitar playing, which is right. not an easy thing to do. But just from the beginning and that solo that comes in over the opening riff, that's that's like a magical comp. Like, and and the way that that solo and the riff ultimately lead into the chord progression, it's it's really like like I mean now it's not surprising because everybody knows the song but the first time I heard it that that yeah. shift is really dramatic um, and it's and it's it's not an obvious choice like I, I that's a really hard transition to to compose in music and so I I, I think that Fade to Black's really well written and and it's one of these songs that like 
it's almost like the song they had to write in order to write other songs like one. They wouldn't have been able to write one if they hadn't written this song. And, right. And one is the same damn chord anyways, right? Like, <laughs> like that opening riff in Metallica, and again, I don't have a guitar, so I can't illustrate it, but it's like an E, it's like a, it's like a weird kind of an E chord that Metallica always uses in their songs. And one is, it's, it's also the same, same pattern that you see in like crazy train and stuff. Um, but it's in one, it's, um, it's just a, it's just a variation on that chord. So they're kind of covering the same ground with one as well. Yeah. Um, well, they, they, when, they ride the lightning master puppets and a justice for all are the same album three times. They just get more and more proficient. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Right? With that. I mean, I the agree. songs are in the same order. Um, it, the, 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 the first song on the album is always a big thrash song. And the last song is always an even bigger thrash song. And they open uh, with the, the sort of same kind of, at least on, um, I can't remember how Injustice for all opens, but light ride the lightning and master of puppets both open with a very harmonious melodic introduction. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. All of them do. It's the same format and that's fine. I'm actually okay with that. I quite um, like that. Actually. I feel like that sets the stage for, this is what you're about to hear. So right. you kind of, you, if they don't tease that melody at the beginning, you don't, you're not open to it later on when it becomes important. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, um, there's a uh, crying baby on uh, Anima by Tool, and um, the right before the song Anima, in fact. And one of the points of that of doing that was to cleanse your palate for what you're about to hear, because a crying baby is the most annoying sound out there. Okay, uh, it's that, been studied that the most annoying sound in the world is a crying baby, and so they have this crying baby at the end of I think it's Die Eier von Satan or whatever the song was that they did there, and right before. Anima, and they put this little sound of a crying baby. Um, maybe it's it's not it's a different song, but it, it's a bunch of static and then a crying baby, mm-hmm. and that cleanses your palate for what is the best song on the album. And they want they did that on purpose, and I think there's something to be said for that kind of formatting of getting you ready for what you're about to hear. Yeah, and that might be the difference between say. A, a classical heavy metal band versus a subgenre band. Because mm. when you listen to, say, Judas Priest's new album, Firepower, there's 15 songs on the album, and they're all different kinds of metal. Yeah. Um, so they all open with a weird noise before they begin. All of them. I don't know if you noticed that on Firepower or not. I didn't notice that pattern, but I did notice that they were all different kinds of metal. And yeah. Judas Priest is honestly one of the few bands that can do that well. Right, um, right. But if you contrast that to, say, Slayer, Rain, and Blood, they're all just as fast as humanly possible, those mm. songs. And it takes a lot of work to remember, wait, is this the one about killing yeah. people or eating people? Well, and the, yeah, and, and that's the same problem you run into with any... Yeah, so I see what you're saying. Yeah, you do run into that with every every subgenre because the subgenres are all going for one aesthetic. And so death metal, do you know what I mean? They can mix it up, like, but you have to really be into death metal to hear the distinction between songs. And the same thing with, you know, speed metal or thrash metal or, yeah. you know, doom metal. If you're not a fan of that subgenre, someone just coming in, it's all going to kind of sound pretty similar. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the weaknesses of subgenres, I think. Uh, you know, I think that's changing, though. I think, I think, I think that uh, people are are mixing things up a little bit more now, but. 
but I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's a, it's sort of a paradox because, or, or, a, um, a dilemma because on the one hand, if you, if you're a part of one of these subgenres, you have to adhere to the aesthetics of the subgenre. And if you, but if you do, then you're sort of committing the crime of this sort of, I don't know what you would call it, this extreme consistency that yeah. just, yeah, just, yeah, just uh, it's one of the, it's one of the things that I notice when I go back and listen to the genres that I used to like a lot. Like when I go back and listen to Zo- Doom, I enjoy it, but I can't help but notice that. Do you know what I mean? That gee, this song sounds an awful lot like the eight other songs in this album. Um, yeah. Now, how, what about with progressive music? Because that is a subgenre too. So, how did, what is your feeling on progressive metal and its handling of the consistency issue? Well, I. First of all, I can't. I think I've said this before. I can't stand Dream Theater. I think they're a wall of noise, mm-hmm. and so I think they suffer from adherence to their own model in a detrimental way. Um, I, uh, in the case of Fate's Warning, you can tell Jim Matheos is running out of material. Okay. He's getting tired. Their latest album was not that good, which is difficult for me to say because I love them to death, and there are still three great songs on that album, but. Ray's lyrical writing is not as good as Jim's was and Jim's not writing the lyrics anymore. So you can see that the meanings of the songs aren't there anymore and the experimentation isn't happening. He's doing two other bands. He does OSI and Arch Matheos and those bands are pulling away some of his creative energy, I think. And so Fate's Warning sort of gets the more melodic, it's sort of when Rush decided to stop doing really complicated music and doing layered music instead, Mm -hmm. where um, Neil Peart is now doing four different drum beats at a time with his four different limbs, but to the untrained ear, it just sounds like a regular drum beat. So if you're not listening for all those patterns, it doesn't sound like he's doing a lot of work when actually he's doing 10 times the work. And I think that's what happened with the New Fates Warning album, and what happens with a lot of prog is that experimentation takes you so far into your technical range that once you're doing it perfectly at a really high level, it, it actually is imperceptible that you're actually doing anything. And we've talked about that before. It's kind of nice to hear them struggling. Yeah, struggling yeah. With music, you hear the work that's going into it. And even when you watch Jim playing live, he's not breaking a sweat, right? He's that good at what he does. Um yeah, that's like. So that's I don't know if I answered your question. No, and, and the 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 hearing them sort of struggle is it's why I point to Randy Rhodes as like my favorite neoclassical metal guy versus some of the later guys that sounded better, but you didn't hear the the muscle on the string. Right. Do you know what I mean? Um, I I like hearing that. I it, it's why I like Brian May as a guitarist. Do you know what I mean? Because I can hear him picking each note. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like he's not just using technique to to flow over the notes all the time, um, though he's very technically proficient. Uh, so, so I want I want to hear the effort and the struggle in the songwriting in the in in the sound. Um, but but yeah, that's that's when I when I go to progressive metal, I think I think we're where uh, I think maybe this is what you were saying is I feel like when they're just applying music theory. Uh, mindlessly is when they run into trouble. Um, yeah. 
that and that and that's basically as zero effort as you can get because you're just sort of like well here's the mode for this occasion and but yep. you know so so maybe is that kind of what dream theater has going on is yeah that that's a... exactly what dream. dream theater is all craft and no art okay right there's just it's how many notes can i fit in this spot right now that's what john petrucci does and he's driven two guys out of the band so you have to assume that his anal retentive Asperger syndrome, whatever it is that he has, his OCD for that kind of compositional work uh, has to drive everybody else nuts. Okay. The, 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 the keyboardist still has to read the sheet music and he's played some of these songs a thousand times and he's still reading the sheet music off is, the screen. Is it because it's so complicated or is it because it's so complicated? Yeah. Okay. But I will say, I think Metallica is a good example of a band where the, you see the effort because they're not as technically skilled, I think, as a lot of the other bands in that subgenre. Do you know what I mean? Uh, they're, you know, they're better drummers. They're better. I don't know if there are better people at manufacturing riffs like Hetfield can, because he's pretty good at that. But, right. but I mean, there are better guitarists than him, and yeah. there are better lead guitarists than Kirk Hammett. Though I think his, um, I think he's very good at making memorable and inspired material. And we need that... to say the 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 playground we're about to go into with this conversation is going to eat up our Metallica. Yeah, because I have true. some things to say about uh, James Hetfield's ear, and it's okay. the whole band is based around his ear, in my opinion. But I would I think say that's probably save... true. I would say that's probably true. Uh, we should save that for the next recording. In okay. fact, if we stop now, we can start that recording right now. Well, I, I, I think let's, <laughs> let's do one at a time here. Um, let's, uh, yeah. Why don't Why don't we we end it here? Unless you have anything to add in terms of the sadness and like I don't know. We didn't even talk about just generalities about sad metal music. You know, um, I don't know if we need to, but I yeah. I think the whole thing was uh, subjective anyway. I gave mm-hmm. my impression of what I thought was sad and what moved me. And I, I don't mind being sad. I'm not one of those people that I don't really cry, but I get a I get emotional about things. And I think I think it's good to go to cathartic places with yeah. music. It's good to let things move you. And in America, we're obsessed with being happy all the time. Yep. And I don't think you can know what happiness is if you don't know what sadness is. And so going into your room as a 14-year-old teenager and listening to Fade to Black and thinking about suicide and having that song talk to you is actually probably good. It is good yeah. to go through that process because Metallica is there holding your hand through that song. And they're letting you know in some way or another that what you're feeling is okay because we have that feeling. We get it. It's it's and, only it's only scary to people when metal bands do it, but it's really a feature of all music. Like how many yeah. people when they break up with somebody listen to a sad love song, right? Right. It's the it's what you do when you're sad. You listen to sad music, uh, right? And you do it because it makes you feel better. Some I mean, you feel worse, but you feel better somehow. I don't know right. how. I don't know. Right. I don't understand the process, but I know that's what's involved. And I think with with metal, actually, I don't tend to go for to metal when I'm looking for sad music. I think there are much better categories of music for sad music than metal even though metal tends to lean towards sad minor key music it it has such an aggressive element to it that i'd like i'd rather listen to like queen or um i don't know destiny's child or something if i'm trying to get something that's that's like a sad song do you know what i mean um 
And I don't I, know what you mean, and I'm signing off right now. You just mentioned <laughs> Destiny Child. Well, I think we lost all of our listeners. I don't. You know, if if if, if you can't your branch cur- out, if you can't branch out, people, um, your you know, credibility is shot. It's not. Just... No, no. I, I want to say this very sincerely. <laughs> um, there's nothing wrong with Destiny's Child. You know, I, I like music like that. Um, I think it's important to be open to other kinds of music. And one of the things that I had a hard time with when I was first into metal and first learning to play guitar was allowing these other types of music to filter in so that I have different things that I could use when I'm making my own music. Do you know what I mean? Um, So, I mean, again, not everybody has to like Destiny's Child, but I feel like a lot of times in metal, there, there are these walls. And so, but my point was, I just think that there are other genres of music that I'd probably rather go to if I'm looking for something sad than than metal. With metal, I tend to go to metal when I'm looking for something heavy, right? Like, you know, uh, and 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 once in a while you get like a truly sad song. Um, but but yeah, so so I don't know. But maybe I did blow a hole in our credibility here. So, well, uh, your credibility, not mine. Well, I don't know. Oh, You're in the coach. shift too. Um, <laughs> I'm throwing that anchor around me, pal. <laughs> So, all right. So, so anyways, I guess we'll stop it here where, uh, you know, I, you know, there's, there's nearly no, no, no further place we can go after getting into if, Destiny's Child. If uh, there's a different top five people want us to do, I'd be happy to hear what top five yeah. people want to hear. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. People do want another top five. Um, I, I think the top five format works. It's, it's very, it's a very good template for discussion. So um so definitely send your suggestions and if there's any topics or questions and also just any questions people have in general that you want us to answer on the program we'd be happy to uh you know we'll we'll see if 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 if, uh, anyone has any questions so unless they're about destiny's child do not send us questions (laughs) about destiny's child i'm happy to field questions about destiny's child (laughs) oh sweet Um, jesus he's doubling down <laughs> so, so. I, 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 I could go on about Destiny's Child all day. Um, but anyways, we'll end it here. And we'll be back on. I guess we're probably going to be talking about Metallica soon, whether that'll be the next episode or not. Who knows? But it sounds like you have some strong opinions about Hetfield's ears. So I, I, I'm very curious to hear them. And, uh, and yeah, so until next episode, we will talk to you later.
songs make me sad. <laughs>